Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have Paul Kennedy. He's been working in a restaurant business for the past 30 years, and he's currently in Vietnam working on a uh, a book highlighting Vietnam's food and culture. Sorry. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you? Welcome to the show, Welcome, Paul. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So how did you end up in uh, Vietnam? I took a... um, I took a birthday trip almost four years ago, and I just never went back. Wow. <laughs> it's sad. Just, just I was, obviously, that's a short story, that's a short version of it, but that's really, I, uh, I'd never had a passport before. I got it the week I left. And at the end of my trip, I just kept going <laughs> just, wow. and, and never went back. I mean, I went back, I've gone back to, um, to visit. But I just decided to keep on going. What made you pick Vietnam? Well, I had no intention of staying abroad. So as I traveled, I met people and everyone I met kept telling me I would like to, they were encouraging me to to continue traveling. And they were all pushing me towards Chiang Mai in Thailand. Have you been there? Mm. No. no, I've heard of it. I haven't been. So it's a um, it's a huge expat area. So I was really thinking as I worked my way over there that that was it. I was going to stay in Chiang Mai. I was going to figure out something to do. And I got there, and it's just very westernized. It's nice. It's a great place to visit. Um, but it, it just I didn't feel like it's a place I should stay. And I just kept traveling. Still, I had no direction, no place. Didn't know if I was really going to stay. I thought I was just traveling. And I got to Vietnam. It's just the, the culture is amazing here. I just knew it immediately. I just knew there was something here to to learn and I could figure out a way to stay. And I just stayed. So I know you're in Vietnam now. So let's backtrack a little bit. (laughs) Where are you from originally? And how did you even, okay, we know how you got there, but I guess, you know, what really led up to that point to where I'm going to go. I grew up outside of DC in Northern Virginia which I've heard in one of your podcasts, you guys refer to it as DMV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> DC, Maryland. I'd never heard of that until I, until I heard that on your podcast. Oh yeah. Um, so Northern Virginia. So I grew up outside of there, but I went to school in the South. And then after that, I just moved up to New York. And that's where I spent the last 15 years or so before taking my trip to okay. Greece. Yeah. We, then, um, then we hadn't heard of DMV before we moved up there either. So, <laughs> so that was definitely. Where were you guys? Where we, were you guys? Our first stop was Alexandria, Virginia. Then, uh, okay. the second year, we were inside of DC around the Fort Titan area, right there off the okay. metro. Yeah, in that area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blocking it out. And then, yeah, we went back to uh, Alexandria, right there okay. on the edge. Um, what was that? Great American Buffet, I think, right on the freeway where you on we could see over um, to Maryland, Maryland, and we could also look over into D.C. from where we live. So, so I was a little further place. in, in in Loudoun County. What's that? Okay, Loudoun. I was in Loudoun County. Okay, okay. So yeah. I was a little further in than you were. Yeah, but it was quite. But that's where I grew experience. up. That's where I grew up. So you say you were raised in the South. I'm originally from Mississippi. Where where in the South? 
I went to snow. I went to school and uh, I went to school in Greenville, North Carolina, East Carolina University. Okay. And then I went to school, culinary school in Johnson, Wales in Charleston, South Carolina. And so after New York, York. yeah, after, after New York, after when, so you were living in New York was the, that was the last place you lived before you made your transition. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, and, and I remember at one point living in New York going, where does anyone live after New York? Just, I, I just remember that being part of a conversation. I didn't have the intention of leaving, but you know, that sticks with you. Like where did, where did, where do you go after New York? The number one city or one of the number one cities in the world, where does someone move to? And I, it's just a conversation, but I still didn't have the intent of leaving. So what but, was one yeah, of the, it just took off. What was one of the biggest, um, or I guess, what was the surprise when you first got there? And, you know, I know you said you, it was vacation and then it just turned into an extended vacation. Right, right, right. I'm what trying was to... the, <laughs> well, we, I, have to, I have to put this part in, and that is, can, first, of all, can, <laughs> first of all, can you hear the dog barking? Well, yeah, no. just a little bit, but I, I, okay. it's not, not really, not good. Not... The, the joke here is, um, oh, it sounds like someone's making dinner um, <laughs> because they eat dog here. Um, the, the, when I was doing planning the trip, it was, we got, I got into this, this mindset. There's an issue of who do you invite for a trip across, you know, in a different country to stay on a boat for 10 days? Who do you want to be with? And then if you find someone that you get along with that's compatible for 10 days on a boat, then do you not invite the other person or people? You know, it just got really complicated. So I just decided to just book the trip and, and I stayed on a friend's boat who um, inspired me because they had, they sold everything they had in New York and they bought a 47 foot catamaran and they took a sailing lesson three days before before they left three days sailing class to, to sail a 47 foot boat. They adopted a kid. So they wanted to teach their kid the world. So I was like, wow, what bravado, you know, to up and leave everything and to sail around the world, having never sailed before in a big boat. So I, I saw that they were in, well, they were in Croatia at the time, but I saw like beautiful pictures and I was like, that's where I want to spend my birthday. Um, so inspiration was a theme. So you asked, at what point did I decide? It was when they dropped me off, when they left me and said, okay, we'll see you later. And I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to be. Mm. And that's when I made the choice. I said, let's keep going. Keep going. Why not? So but it was at that moment, at that moment. Guys, what's what's something unique about Vietnam that most people don't know? Well, besides the dog, um, what's something? <laughs> <laughs> the whole the entire culture is completely different. The the trick is what I I learned is is that it's all so different, but once you think about it, it's the exact same. It's uh, so the way they dress or eat or everything in the culture is different. But the similarities are so parallel. So a story I was, I'm teaching now. During lockdown, I started teaching okay. English. And we, we were, 
they have this. So Tet is their big holiday, and that's the New Year here, the Lunar New Year. And they have something that is a celebration just before their New Year, where the three gods, two men and one woman, ride a fish harp back up to the gods, and they report back how the family was for the year. And those are called the kitchen gods. So that's part of their their beliefs. And it sounds so silly on the surface. Um, and when I'm telling this, what their belief is, what their celebration is, you know, it took me a second, but then I realized, well, Christmas time, we have a fat guy in a red suit who comes down a chimney and <laughs> eats a cookie and a glass of, <laughs> drinks a right. glass of milk and takes yeah. a sleigh back with a reindeer with a bright red nose that leads away and he lives with a bunch of dwarves. It's the same. <laughs> so uh, there's so many parallels when you think, about it yes the story of three kitchen gods riding a fish back up to the heavens to report back about how the family was sounds silly at first but it's no different than ours with a you know a, a giant bunny hiding eggs <laughs> at yeah. easter yeah. so the parallels it what's different is is everything yes they may eat dog yes they may have these beliefs that sound peculiar peculiar at first but uh, it's um it's the parallels are identical. I thought you were joking about the dog thing. <laughs> <laughs> How long um, did it take for you to pick up on the language to where you've been quite comfortable? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not comfortable at all. At all. I, <laughs> at all. Um, I, I don't have an ear for it. And I took these private lessons. <laughs> and one day, one day the, my instructor, my teacher said, what's wrong with you? I go, why? You know, he would repeat it. I would repeat it back wrong. And we went back and forth. He goes, what is wrong with you? Why don't you, everyone else gets it. Why can't you? Um, and I was thinking, well, that's not really the way a tutor should, you know, yeah. reinforce the learning. But I, I just, I, I don't have the ear for it. It's a very tonal language. It's very difficult for me. And um, same with the understanding. I'm, yeah, it's just, I don't think it's going to happen. I tried. I tried. You're still able to, to teach, though, as far as, so most well, of your students. When you, well, when you teach English, you have a, a translator. Okay. Every class has a, a teaching assistant who assists you with translating language. And depending on their level, because there's different classes you can teach there's you know communication or ielts ielts is the proficiency tests for them to to get into schools or to get jobs and there's there's english as well so at one point i was teaching science and math and you're sometimes you reteach it so they have to learn it twice once in vietnamese and once in english mm. so you can truly understand so it depends on what you're teaching but i think it all points, all my classes have teaching assistants who translate because I don't, I can't, <laughs> I tried. Do a lot of the people there um, already or pick up on English or understand English pretty good or it's something that? No, okay. no. They, the, uh, the English levels are pretty low in tourist areas or expat areas. They speak English. Restaurants have menus in English. Uh, this, you know, the store is same, but 
now or in places I don't really I don't live in a tourist area or expat area. So I usually go with somebody, go with a friend who is Vietnamese who speaks English pretty much everywhere I go. Okay. Or you you learn how to use body language. Yeah. I went to Brazil when I was 15. I didn't speak Portuguese, but I was I still walked around and, you know, interacted. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely energy and body language. Yeah, there are issues where I've seen travelers where they get into an accident and the hospitals don't speak English and they have situations, things I would never think about when traveling. Yeah. But, you know, for them, it was, you know, they reached out to you know, my friend to help them translate you, you there are situations you can be in but i've not been in them yet but i also try to eliminate so i don't i don't drive a motorbike because i don't want to get a flat tire and be at a some mechanics and not be able to explain what i need so i just i i try to eliminate all these situations where it would be an issue for me and it's a, you adapt you, you you learn how to adapt if you don't speak the language yeah so were you, were you already a chef when you um, went to Vietnam or? Yes, you pick it yeah, up? Yeah. Okay. I, went, I went to culinary school in Charleston. So oh, that's right. Yes. So, yeah. So how was it shifting into um, Vietnamese food, making Vietnamese food versus, you know, American it's, food? Now? It's pretty much the same in the sense that if you have ingredients and you have a cooking vessel of some sort and you have heat, if you can follow instructions. You can cook anything. It's all the same. It's okay. all going to be the same premise. It's food, you know, it's heat and some method of cooking. You're going to have to cut something up, put it in something, but it's all the same. If you follow instructions, the difference is, is that here, which you, I, and I didn't, you wouldn't put in recipes is, you know, here they they appreciate their meat to be chewy because they're used to it because they're used to boiling everything. So there are certain things that if you took recipes from here and brought and put them in America, that's the reason we, we Westernize you know, the Chinese food that you taste in the U S is not the same as the Chinese food in China. It's the same with the Vietnamese food. So you would not want tough, chewy chicken or, or beef it's just not what you would want you would not want soup for every meal you just wouldn't we're not used to it right. so there are changes you have to make and it's same here if i have spaghetti here it's super sweet because i use sugar across the board if you buy a cake here it's gonna be less sweet because it's, again it's just moderate sugar across the board so you can't suddenly appreciate something that we're not used to right understood is street food big over there it is and i think it's so much i think it's probably the best i've had mm. what is some I think, like recommendation on street food well the, the the thing here is that they interchange street food with um basically street restaurants okay. so it's kind of um, it's different than, say, Thailand, which when they say street food, a lot of times they'll mean something you can pick up and take with you, like a carnival. Mm -hmm. And here it's because all the homes have businesses on the first floor. 
all. So pretty much every family has a business. So street food is often the same. So pho, the soup, or a banh mi, two of the probably most popular items from Vietnam, those will be considered street food. Okay. So, so same things that are popular here are popular there? Because sometimes that's not the case when you travel. Same things, time. same things, but they're Americanized there. So I know in New York, the best places for the banh mi, I thought I had it figured out. I knew how to make the best banh mi, but here they don't make that banh mi because the banh mi just means bread. It mm. just means bread. It can be nothing. It can just be the actual piece of bread mm. or it can be a sandwich. Mm. So it's not the banh mi that we're used to with the pickled vegetables and like mayonnaise and um, daikon. It's not the same here. It can have eggs and pate or meatballs or chicken or nothing. It's still banh mi. So it's really about just the, the bread being really crackly. Is the is really all banh mi means here? Okay. Are there? Um, I'm sure there's a difference in the the taste and the food, fruits and different things like that compared to America. What was one of the the biggest surprises that you noticed there? Um, the biggest. Well, you know, I just had some grapes last night, and and what they hear, they pick their fruits before they're ripe. So most of the fruits are bitter mm. and then they dip it in some sort of seasoned salt for the flavor. When the fruit is ripe, they typically dry it. So that's a big change. That's a big difference. Um, there are certain fruits like pineapples, that, you know, the best pineapple you'll, you'll ever have. Mm. But most of the fruits, you know, I went to a Western shop, a year ago and got some grapes and i think it was and i don't remember prices in the u.s but they were 18 it was 18 dollars for one bunch of grapes and I, I don't know if that's what how much great how much how much is a bunch of grapes i don't think it's 18 dollars like is it five yeah, maybe about five <laughs> bucks here yeah. yeah american dollars so yeah what is the the difference in the money or the oh it's super cheap here i i live off of 650 dollars a month wow and that includes my travel that was the most expensive month I had. And so that month I also bought like a standing freezer and a, an oven. So I actually less, but so six fifty a month can, I can do whatever I want. You know, I, I travel at least once a month and I buy whatever I want with six fifty. So that includes the apartment and food and eating out and all travel and anything I buy. Do you drive or like, how do you get around? I use the equivalent of um, a Uber. So here it's called Grab. And here, so Vietnam's got, Vietnam's about the size of California, but the population is just under a hundred million. And about three quarters of them drive motorbikes. So it's all motorbikes on the road. I don't drive, I use the equivalent of Uber, which is called Grab, to get me around. And it's nice because I have gotten a flat tire on, on a Grab. And thinking, not knowing the language, I would have no clue what to do. <laughs> I would just be stranded yeah. or running, you know, or finding a gas station because there aren't, 
it's not always a gas station. Usually you'll see a water bottle, a couple of water bottles in front of someone's house. And it's just, it's an indicator. There, it looks like tea. Actually, it looks like my tea. Mm-hmm. So the, and I, we all reuse water bottles here. Um, but that means they sell gas. So you buy gas in one of those bottles. So I wouldn't even know how to find the gas station because a lot of, they do have gas stations, but more often than not, if there's no, if there's no gas station, then someone's selling gas out of their house in water bottles. So it can be difficult to navigate. If you live in an expat area, it's pretty easy. But what do you then mean I'm that? not learning. I'm not learning anything. What's that? You said live in a what kind of area? Expat. Um, foreigners. People like me. Yeah. Gotcha expatriates, but they're called expats. When someone from a different country resides in a new country, they're called expats. In the U.S., we call them foreigners. That's a hypocrisy. (laughs) But when when we travel, we're called expats. So it's it's not quite fair. We call (laughs) ourselves expats when we travel and and plant our, our roots somewhere else. But when someone else does it, we call them foreigners. Got you. <laughs> so if it's my first time visiting Vietnam, like what city would you recommend? I would recommend, depending on how long you were going to visit, is definitely the northern central up. Definitely central up. So where I am, I'm in the north. I'm in Hanoi. And... Most of the natural places to see that it's known for are in the north. The central has man-made a lot of what you see if you were to Google, went to Google Bridges with Vietnam. They have a a bridge with a hand holding it, golden hand bridge. So a lot of those things are man-made. And if you want to see them or take pictures of them, that's using the center. Lady Buddha. and Hoi An, which is also typically one of the top destinations, not you know, maybe top 20 in the world, but it usually gets a really high ranking, Hoi An. That's also in the central. The south is, is more westernized. So there's less to do and see, less of a cultural experience. So if you were to visit, I would say Hanoi, and then decide what you want to do and use that as your hub. Is there a beach up north or is that just on the southern side? The central has good beaches. Hanoi is a city. Hanoi is about as big as New York City. Okay. Um, And there are one of the things that, one of the places that Vietnam's known for is Halong Bay. And that's got all the limestone formations coming out of the water. That is driving distance, but it's not really a beachy area. It's more of a um, boat cruising area. Okay. So for, to actually stay on the beach. And the beaches are great because unlike Thailand or some of the other the Philippines, the Vietnamese don't go to the beach during the day. So usually the, because they don't want the sun, they don't want to tan. So usually the beaches are completely empty completely empty and they're big huge beaches and they're always empty so that's a plus about the vietnamese beaches they're pretty they're clean and they're empty how's the weather there most of the time 
Same. It's uh, the South is hot and humid. It's it's like Charleston, South Carolina, or New Orleans, or it's it's just hot and humid and sticky. When you get to the Central, a lot calmer, but it had or cooler, but it has. That's where the the tropical storms hit. That's where the rainy season is. And the North has they call it four seasons. Um, I don't I don't know if you have. Do you have, do you have four seasons in LA? Not really. Well, kind of because we can see what right. We can see the mountains, so we see the snow on the mountains and everything. You see it, right? But yeah, it's we don't really get a winter here, and not in um, Los Angeles. Probably like three, three seasons. Yeah. Okay. Well, here they they think they have four, but the coldest, which is about now, is fifty. 50 degrees okay yeah, that's, that's like kind here. of here yeah it gets maybe it doesn't 40 a little here, bit but... sometime at night but yeah. when it gets 40 below 48 degrees they cancel school for for first for elementary school wow because it's too cold wow so that's that's really cold for here so yeah they cancel like primary school is what they call it, elementary school she grew up they in cancel minnesota it. In where Minnesota? Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. was like, we had to go when it's like knee high in snow. Still had to go to elementary school. Just yeah. ridiculous. So, <laughs> at forty-eight degrees, <laughs> and not snow. We're not. I'm not talking about obviously right. snow, at 48. snow just, at forty-eight. Yeah, it's just, just, just cold. Chill. It's just cold. Yeah, because you know we consider going snorkeling at, at sixty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's still a little chilly here for a lot of people. But, yeah. yeah. 40, but you have to consider they, the schools here also don't have, uh, there's nothing on the window. The windows are usually open, doors are usually open. Okay. That's open ventilation everywhere. A lot of homes or buildings have that too. Open so ventilation. What are some of your favorite activities now that you've gotten settled there? And, you know? Activities? I still like traveling. Okay. You travel still, like outside of Vietnam or inside? I still travel inside since COVID. Um, because getting back, I, I wouldn't be able to get back in the country. Oh, they're, okay. they're pretty strict. And we had a really good grip on COVID here until now the numbers are going up because they opened everything back up. But they wait, they, they decided, you know, probably because they didn't have the vaccines, but they didn't start vaccinating really until fall. But they did it extremely quickly. They right after one, right after the other, it was you are getting vaccinated and you are getting vaccinated now. Um, so population is vaccinated, if not boosted already. And they didn't start, you know, I got my first one in September. I've already had my booster. But once they decided, it was they were knocking on doors saying, "Go now, go now." Mm. It was, it was on the ground. They were making sure everyone got vaccinated. Driving around on the speakerphone, on the speaker, telling everyone to go get it vaccinated and get vaccinated now. Once they did that, um, so anyways, they they reopened everything, and now COVID's going back. The numbers are going back up. Mm. But my my. Travel is still only in Vietnam, but it's nice not having any tourists. That's the difference. No tourists. Has it, it hasn't impacted anything as far as economically around in your area, though, have it? Like 
we've noticed it a little bit here in, like I said, in LA when certain things happen, but you know, mom and pop stores maybe took maybe a, a hit if anything, but it is, but, but as I mentioned, almost all the homes have our business ground floor is a business and those homes they've lived there for generations. And when you, you're pretty much obligated to live with your family. So there's three, four generations living in the same house. They, and they own the house. There are people that rent, mm -hmm. but there's a huge part of the population that there's no, no bills. They have no, no expenses yeah. at all. I mean, your expenses, gas for your motorbike, electricity is shared amongst 12 people. <laughs> it's, you really don't have expenses. And, and so for me, as I said, I don't live in a, an expat or a foreigner area, foreigner again, meaning people like me, non-Vietnamese. So I pay local prices. So I know, <clears throat> and they probably pay even less because not, no, places don't have prices. It's all, it's a lot of, yeah. um, it's like going to a garage sale, even if you're know, at a restaurant. So I don't, um, things are really cheap for me. So they're even cheaper for them. So yes, they got hit and they got hit hard. They stopped bringing in money, but they don't have expenses and they don't have debt. There's no debt. Okay. No debt at all. That'd be nice. It's a completely different way of living. You know, Even for you, it's got to be extreme going from a place like New York as far as just <laughs> expenses and live, cost of living Ooh, and then... Yeah you know, Ooh. to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I was saying how during COVID I've been until I got vaccinated, I wasn't flying. So everywhere I went to, I was still playing it safe. I would take a, a grab, which, but I, they also had the cars for grab, not just motorbikes. So I was taking a grab, even a three and a half hour trip, but it would still be less for me to take a private car and Uber three and a half hours than it was in New York city for me to go from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Mm. So Manhattan to Brooklyn would cost me 65 bucks wow. in an Uber. And here it would be under $50 to go three and a half hours. So, and it just, so you understand if you've been to Brooklyn, I wasn't going to the far end of Brooklyn. It was a 25 minute drive, but that was my, my nightly commute was, um, I would take an Uber home from work because, you know, nighttime the trains don't run as often. So that would be 65 bucks a night. And here I can go three and a half hours and it's less. So yeah, the cost of living, it's a big, it's a big difference. Yeah. Dinner will be a dollar 50, sometimes 50 cents. Wow. At a restaurant yeah. as opposed to 150 bucks. So you know, night out. Yes. So do you work as a chef? Were you working as a chef? I know you said you teach. Um, do you work as a chef there? Here? No, here I'm, I'm teaching. I'm, but I, I'm just teaching. So when I got here, again, I was picking the brains of everyone I met, trying to figure out. I had never stayed in a hostel before. And when I was, when my friends left me in Greece, I saw a sign that said hostel. I, I was like, oh, I've never stayed in one. You know, why not? I'm doing this. This is a big adventure. Why not? And I stayed in one. It was pretty anticlimactic. I was like, I don't get it. Yeah. 
something's wrong. Something's missing because I always hear, oh, I stay at a hostel and I travel. And yeah, I personally, for that hostel, I just showed up. I went to sleep. I was, I, I was the first one in the room. I was the first one. So I was asleep. Yes, I woke up to someone throwing up in a trash can, but I was up <laughs> with crack of dawn and out. So I didn't really experience anything. So I left Santorini and flew up to Athens. And I was like, let me try this again. Because I think I missed something. Because I've heard about the hostels for too long for, for that to be the big story of what I just experienced. So I did it again. And I happened to notice it was, it was the exact same price as a hotel next door. So I couldn't, it was tough to rationalize. Why would I want to pay the same price to stay in a room with a group of people versus my own room? But I said, there's an experience here, just do it. And that's where I started meeting people who were traveling. And one of them <clears throat> planted the seed in my head that a lot of expats open hostels. Um, I just compartmentalized it. I didn't think about it again. Fast forward in Vietnam, it dawned on me, what does it take to open a hostel? You know, now that I, that's my first degree was hospitality and my second was culinary arts. So I knew a little bit about hotels and I just, I spent three weeks in that hostel in, in Athens, just sitting there talking to everyone. At one point, one of the guys goes, what are you doing? Like, you just stay in this room and you talk to us. Why are you out there? And I just couldn't get enough of their stories. So I was always the last one to leave the room because I just, once there was no one else to talk to, then I would leave and I'd come back early so I could start talking to them again. So they planted that seed in my head. And when I got to Vietnam, I, I started thinking about the hostel again. I ended up opening a hostel and then a hotel and then a travel agency, which is where I started meeting more and more people and talking more and more about travel and understanding the difference between vacationing and traveling and the importance of traveling. Nice. So the, the hostile thing, um, that's how that came about. And I think I've already lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, the, the, I think, yeah, I just asked about work wise. That's all what I just asked. If you oh, so the work, the work, um, I was not cooking. I was doing the, I opened up three businesses nice. and then I closed them with COVID and that same day I closed the last business, I started thinking, what could I do? What should I do? And I said, why not teach? I'm, I'm stuck here. Why not teach? What does it take? And I looked it up and I started teaching. Okay. So Thank sorry for that long, long story. <laughs> I know. That's guys stayed in the hostel once, but it was a private room because some they do have private yes, room yeah. if you're willing to pay for it. But I do feel like it's more social than a than a hotel. Like, yes, you know, and a lot of them have a person that like organizes an activity or a right. night out it's, and things like that. And that's where it got. And that's where I started to understand. Oh, it's um, so the two types generally speaking, it's a party hostel and a non-party hostel. So the party hostel is social purposes and the non-party is budget purposes. Mm -hmm. You want to stay there because it financially makes sense. Why yeah. spend a lot of money if you're just crashing for the night? Yeah, it's convenient. Like, especially when you're doing backpacking random trips. I, I've done that in uh, 
Western Europe before? Definitely. I mean, you can meet a lot of people there. If, yeah. if I had not stayed in that hostel, I don't know if I would have kept going because I wouldn't have the, again, it turned out full circle. It, it was inspirational. I didn't realize that those people would be inspiring me to continue traveling, but they really did. Yeah. And, and a lot of them said, look, if, even if you don't know where you're going next or where your final destination is, whether it's Chiang Mai or not, you know, they're the ones who sent me to Turkey and said, look, head in that direction, head towards Chiang Mai, but stop off in Turkey. And Turkey to this day is still my, one of my favorite experiences, hot air ballooning in Cappadocia. <laughs> I thought it was just unbelievable. I've gone skydiving and scuba diving and it's, the hot air ballooning, ballooning specifically over Cappadocia was one of the most beautiful things I've seen. But none of that would have happened if it wasn't for the hostel, if it wasn't for meeting people in the hostel to encourage me. I'm glad you mentioned the Turkey because my sister is trying yeah. to get me to go to Turkey go. And, uh, at the, <clears throat> the end of April. And he was like, what's in Turkey? Go. I'm like, it's in my yeah. bucket list. <laughs> I'm like, Turkey at all places? Yes, it's been on my list. I was supposed <laughs> to go there when I went to Greece, but I never made it. And I, I agree. I, my, an old boss of mine had gone to hot air balloon and kept air again. It just went in one ear out the other thinking, yeah, mountains, whatever. It's amazing. Amazing. So the, but the trick is, the trick is you, well, of course you have to do the hot air balloon and kept air if you go to Turkey, have to, okay. the, there's a problem. And that is, and I lucked out the, they have a black market there for the hot air ballooning because they have the best hot air ballooners, uh, pilots in the, in the world there because it's the number one spot. So it's very, in, it's in high demand and there's a high season because of the weather. So I think I was in October and that was during their high season. I didn't plan anything. None of my trips were planned at all. I usually, I would land somewhere before I found a hotel, nothing planned, nothing. So when I was in Istanbul going to Cappadocia going, oh, I'm going to try that. I realized it's a, you have to get your tickets in advance, but you have to be prepared to lose them because they sell the tickets, but then they cancel and resell to people who are willing to pay more money. Mm. So a lot of people go there saying, thinking and booking, say a three-day trip. I arrive, I might do a tour, I do the hot air balloon the next day and I leave. But their hot air ballooning trip is canceled and canceled at the last minute, but then they just can't go. So when I was trying to book a hot air balloon trip, I was told, oh, you will never, you will not get one. And that was a travel agent in Istanbul and then another one and another one. They said, I, I, I think you're confused. You, this is something you book at least six months in advance. <clears throat> Some guy on the street, again, Turkey is known for salesmen. So there are salesmen everywhere selling carpets. And they're the best salesmen in the world. They will, if you ever want to train a salesman for, your, for any position, send them to, Tur to Turkey. Because these guys can, these, they're amazing. They befriend you. They don't 
come in with a hard sell. They just want to genuinely help you. And then they genuinely want you to buy something from them. So at no point did I ever feel like I was obligated to buy anything. They really want to help you. So this one guy really wanted to help me. And he found who could help me. And this guy happened to have a brother who was a pilot or a cousin who was a pilot and another one who ran a hotel. So he said, I can take care of it. I, in hindsight, I think I paid more than other people did. So I was that person who outbid, who bought someone else's ticket. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I started learning about the black market through like the tour guide and the hotel and everyone started telling me about it. And the hotel I was staying at, I get back from the hot air, <laughs> the hot air balloon trip. And there's this guy sitting in the, in the, the restaurant part. And he goes, I'm, he was so upset because his trip got canceled last minute because someone bought his ticket. <laughs> so I had just learned what ha- like that about the black market. I just realized that I am now that person who ended up outbidding someone else. So I felt bad. And I, I tried telling, I started telling him about it, but I realized he got more upset when the more information I was telling him that I learned. So I just let it go. Um, <laughs> I thought I would just take this information and maybe pass it along to someone else who wants to go to Turkey like you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the part you have to be careful about is they, they, they have a huge black market for these tickets. Okay. So you buy it, you plan around it. They promise it won't be a problem. Um, and then on the other side, there's also weather. Because there's a season for it, if the weather is off, by if the wind is off just a little bit, it will also get canceled. Mm-hmm. So Makes two That's factors with that. Like sailing trips, same thing happens. Like, yeah, like sailing trips. But you, so you have to, if you go there, you have to plan on spending more time than you would normally. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad because it's actually, if you go and sit on the dunes when they take off, when they light up the balloons and they go in the air, it's as beautiful as as making it up in the balloon itself so even if it gets canceled you could do that for the day it gets canceled and hopefully rebook for the next day but the rebooking i heard is extremely difficult because again it's yeah. booked, booked up. Yeah. but yes i that. i've been i tell everyone cappadocia was stunning just stunning definitely thank you for that information <laughs> when you said you got dropped off in greece was that in santorini santorini on the beach because oh, we wow, stayed on their boat for awesome 10 days place to get dropped out <clears throat> yeah i know well it was weird because i really i again i'd never i didn't have my passport till the week i left um for greece i'd never nothing and when I was trying to figure out what to do, how to do it and everything, I reached out to a friend I knew from years earlier who had traveled and I said, any recommendations of what I should pack? Because there was an inkling that I might extend my vacation, but it was never a thought that I would not return. So I reached out to him and he said, well, look, if nothing else, he goes, only bring a backpack and, and no wheels on the backpack, just a backpack. Uh, 35 liter backpack and that was his advice to me so there i was on the beach with just my backpack and it's so it's very liberating not to have a heavy piece of luggage with you yeah 
you really do feel like you can go anywhere. And that's kind of the, the in sync with traveling versus vacation. If you have luggage, you're not as mobile. Right. You can't make as many last minute changes or, or just continue on to whatever you're doing if you have luggage with you. So yes, on the, on the beach, I've got this backpack and I realized this is it. Like I just have a backpack or what's a big deal. I can do whatever I want right now. So I'm in uh, on the beach in Santorini going, I, I don't know. And my friends go, Oh, you just take the bus there. If you want to go to the airport. And I'm thinking I, I get, I literally got lost in New York city. I, I would get lost at least once a week in New York and New York is a grid. It's a grid system. Like you can't get lost. It's first street, second street. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> so they're, they're pointing saying, oh, the bus is over there. And I'm, I, I, I can't do that. I, I don't know why. I can't. No. Um, so I kind of stood frozen for a little bit. And then I, I camped out at this, this restaurant. I just watched the buses <laughs> go by, seeing if I could figure out a pattern. Because no one spoke English at this place either. So I tried to figure it out. And I tried asking some people. and. Finally, I just got on one of the buses, and luckily, it took me up towards the airport. Um, I stopped just before the airport, which is where I found the first hostel. But yeah, on the beach, not a bad place to stop. But luckily, I didn't feel like I was consumed with a lot of luggage. I felt mobile, like I could make any decision at that point with just a backpack. Makes it easier. So yes, a backpack and turkey for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No more than a forty-liter backpack. Okay. I know I could do that, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I take a lot of stuff when I go. Mm -hmm. You got to change. But what triggered that for me was you said you're on the beach, and I remember. Oh, I was wearing long pants and you know some sort of sweater because that's how you pack. You put all the small items in the backpack. You put on your Heavy your heavier clothes, your bigger, bulkier clothes. So I was on the beach with long pants and a long sleeve shirt <laughs> and a backpack going, okay, now where? <clears throat> but yeah, if you would be surprised, I think, if you, once you learn that you can adapt. Oh, yeah. Because you can, you can always buy and replace whatever, a pair of socks or something if you need to. Or, you know, I started out with, at one point, I was, you know, I had two pairs of shoes, and but I kept downsizing. I kept, I kept leaving things at a hotel. I was adamant, no, just a backpack. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it really does. So Cappadocia for you, and a forty-liter max backpack with no wheels. Okay. So do you have a <laughs> um, another destination in mind after your experience with uh, Vietnam? Yeah, but I, I don't know. I want to go somewhere else. I could make Hanoi my hub still, but I definitely want to, to venture on. It's, traveling is so, such an amazing experience. Yeah. You never go on vacation, go, coming back on. You always come back from vacation and go, that, that was a lot of fun. That was so good. But when you travel and you travel by yourself, you, it's such an experience that you can't even put into words. But yeah, I have to. It's I have to go somewhere else. Have to. Yeah, we're we're you know we love LA, but we'll definitely live overseas one day. You should. Yeah. Yeah. Especially podcast. I had my eyes on Philippines for a while. That was one of. Them. And. 
Hold that. Oh, <laughs> and, I mean, you know, well, she still uh, gotta East take African, time right so now. Ethiopia has been on there as far as on the list before. I feel like we gotta temporarily live at a few places before yeah. we can make a decision on the long term stay, I guess. And <laughs> why? What? what do you mean? Why? Why are we're we talking here? To somebody that's why, like, yeah, just go why, and check it out. <laughs> just go. Why? Why are you still there? <laughs> oh well, you know, we're not done with LA. Time. Yeah, I, don't know. I know we're not done with LA or California. We've so. only been here like four years, so we're still alive. only four years. Yeah. yeah. yeah only only. This is the only place I can say that. Like, we've only been here four years because we move around quite a bit. Yeah, um, even when we. In like in Atlanta and other places, we'd stay in the place for about a year, and after that, we would move. So th even in this in particular apartment, you know, it's one of the first apartments we lived in for about three More or four than years. A year. <laughs> yeah, but we love traveling, and I guess you know. And now though, traveling is weird. So with the podcast, especially once this get to going, we're plan on you know. Yeah. traveling with the podcast and recording in different places so we're not stuck here it's you know this is just so try this one of you stay there one of you explore oh uh, we the have one to go together <laughs> the one who explores can join in on the podcast at the same time from somewhere you have to you should try you should consider traveling solo consider it oh i've well, traveled solo yeah. a lot she went to machu um, picchu i did the yeah. machu picchu thing uh well that you know i joined a group later on uh, but i started solo and then i did um part of my backpacking trip through europe solo my sister joined me because she lives in uk she joined me like later on when i got to greece and stuff but yeah i've done some solo travel but now i'm glad i have a traveling partner <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't you find we get um we become lazy when we are traveling with somebody we're expecting to well no, like we just I, need to get by until we, yeah she's I a have to guy. know like everything about the country yeah. before i get there i probably know I the directions and all of that like and it does then you it go in with better. blinders on then you go in with a tunnel vision well, if you go there with no expectations not necessarily to any, um, yeah, any expectations well it's more of to like make sure that i you know like see all the places that i should see when i go there right not right. necessarily like like when i said the backpacking trip it's a year right 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 that was like i bought train passes that can go to all of these countries but i didn't say i'm gonna be here from this day to this day right kind of right. just woke up and i'm like all right it's time to move on that type of thing but at the same time like i want to know when i go to um rome or uh, greece like i there's like things i must go see right right you know? yeah. and she's um, a she's a great you know travel guide i just kind of go and you know I'm, I'm <laughs> with, with all your she, luggage yeah and she finds out everything <laughs> but and i won't doing and stuff i won't like do that, the yeah. touristy thing like i'll take the the buses and i'll do you know eat the local food and try to experience like the authentic culture and everything but yeah like, i don't want to miss anything awesome that i should experience we actually got married in in santorini yeah. and we got oh to, really really got yeah, to experience yeah as far as 
uh, we we stayed in Puerto Parisa and and Fieras. Was, was it Ia? No, 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 no. I mean, Ia, Ia is right where there. we went to, but we we stayed in Puerto Parisa. I know, but we yeah, stayed and, in. Oh, in we did. Fiera. That's right. Yeah, yeah. we did switch. <laughs> I forgot. How'd you yeah. like it? Loved it. Yeah, I yeah. really one of the places I want to go back to. Um, she did more water stuff there, even though we we did the tour around Milos Island, but okay. I didn't get enough snorkeling in when I was there. So I I, I want to go back just to be in the water a lot more. The water and the sunsets. Yeah. yeah. The water and the sunsets yeah. are just spectacular. Yeah, we snorkel here in Cali and my first time snorkeling was in Greece. It's night and day. There's so many things under the water in Greece. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's crazy. And I was the camera guy then. So <laughs> it was just, I didn't get to experience the water. The right. But we both love the water. So that's one of the things with Greece that I'm looking forward to, to doing when I go back. Go back. Would you go back to Santorini? Oh, yeah. I'd go back I to all of I want to try other yeah. islands, but I know oh, yeah, that too. To Santorini. Yeah, but, yeah, we kind of, you know. Made a, a, a okay little bond with Santorini. Even the hotel where I stayed at, I ended up playing my cello for a little event that they had there. So I'm even interested oh, cool. to go back to that hotel and just to see. <laughs> it really is pretty there. Yeah. It really is beautiful. But it's a big, big country as far as things to see and do. Yeah. I know each also, island is amazing. So I, I want to check out all the other ones. Yeah, the um, I really I did enjoy the island. We did a different, at least one island a day. So we always stayed in a different outside. We stayed on the boat, mm. but we visited at least one island a day, day and would walk around. It was um, it was a favorite part of mine, just wandering again, just exploring. Yeah, we rented. You get a lot of that. We rented the ATV and went around Nilos Island. And that was one of the things that I got addicted to, the, even just the freedom of riding the ATV around an island. Was yeah. Nice, yeah. And it's, so, it's just so pretty and peaceful. And yeah. the, the style of the homes yeah. is, is also, just to me, uh, I find that really, that aesthetic, very pleasing. Traveling is, you know, it's it's good for the brain and, of course, the body and just your vision and everything, just your soul and allows you to kind of really learn about different cultures and get different views of life. It well. does. Well, it opens your mind and people that started out shy become confident and people without a voice feel like they have a different, you know, they have different, well, they get a voice. Um when you start understanding different cultures and it helps you understand the people right next to you because you realize we are who we are because of how we were brought up and where we were brought up. You know, it's, you don't have, if we don't have mass shootings in Vietnam, it should tell you, okay, you know, that's something that's intrinsic to how those people are brought up. You know, there's a problem. It's not, something that's genetic you know that's a not a good example but they don't have the problems here you know they it should tell you that we're all the same it's just something made us this way so for an entire country like here to be kind you know and very little crime very peaceful it kind of helps you understand everybody yeah and it's good to have a different view 
of a life. Where else are you guys go besides Turkey? What else is on your bucket list? Mm, oh, Brazil. Man, I want to see everything. Um, we have a, Egypt. A friend in Brazil. I see the pyramids. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have an exchange brother um, that we had an exchange student when I was in middle school. He lived with us for about a year. And that's when I went to Brazil for about a month when I was about 15. And okay. I stayed with his family. So we're due for, I'm due for a trip back to Brazil. And he's been asking me about coming as well. So that's definitely a, something in the near future. Tanzania. That's another. Yeah, place. we've been to South Africa before. Um, What's your favorite country in that's far there? Yeah. Um, it's, I, I, I still feel like I have, to, I have to have more on my list to really give a favor because I, I still keep going as back a, to, to as a country I'm gonna say Italy I think I think I'm just tough because I love Greece yeah. but um a lot of things right the food was amazing um yeah. of course uh, the matter. architecture I'm I love the the architecture in in um Italy what part um were you so I visited Milan, Rome, Venice, Florence, oh, wow. uh, Naples, and Bari on the south side. But Bari was just brief just to get on a boat to get to Greece. Um, so basically everywhere <laughs> in all the major cities in Italy. Uh, I have family there as well. So, um, yeah, just it's a very beautiful country. All. All the cities I went to, except maybe for Naples, I was in the bad side of Naples. I didn't get a good experience there. Were you by the train station? I don't like we. It was me and my sister, and we heard good things, so we went there. And I guess we stayed in like the city area. I don't know where it is, but did you? I'm relating to you right now. Did you say? <laughs> did you get there by train? How'd you get there? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. I was taking yeah. all the trains there. Yeah. And were you near there? Near the train station? You know, I can't remember. I just I'm remember in agreement being with you. scary. And <laughs> yes. it was two women and it was the first time we've been here. And I called my mom as soon as we got there. And my mom is very familiar with Italy. And she was like, Naples, how dare you go there? It's <laughs> like, watch your stuff and get out of there. Why would you go there? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I heard it's beautiful here, it's beaches, you know, we're going to go hang out. And wherever we were staying in the city area, after 6 or 7 p.m., I was like, uh, we need to get back to the hotel. <laughs> this is crazy. So just before, because inspiration was my theme, the, uh, just before my trip in Greece, one of my friends said, oh, I might be in Italy um, at the time just before, because I was trying to figure out how I can coordinate these good friends who would always make a trip from abroad to see me. So I, before Greece, I said, well, I'll book a, a few days in Italy. If you're there, I'll, I can see you. If not, I'll just hang out for three days. Um, it, I did not get to see her. And I started out in Rome and went to Naples. And when I got to Naples, I was, I was like, I'm from New York City. Not to say that's a high crime area, 
but I did not feel comfortable yeah. walking around in the daytime, taking pictures yeah. in the daytime. And I was like, I've heard so many good things about Naples. I think mm-hmm. I must be on the wrong side of town or something. I started comparing it to Penn Station in New York, maybe where all the riffraff is. Um, but I did daytime. I was constantly looking left and right as I'm walking around. And yeah. I, I didn't feel comfortable at all at any point during the day. Yeah, same so nighttime, way. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was so nighttime, watching. I got a hotel, and and that's still the same thing. It was in the city, I think, area, and I was like, I, I don't even feel safe here. I'm not good, and I'm comfortable, and I'm very comfortable around. I don't want to say around crime in unsafe areas. <laughs> I'm very comfortable walking around by myself. Not something I strive to do, but I'm never worried. Naples, I was like, I don't. I feel like I'm going to get robbed. I just, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, it's almost guaranteed. I mean, the first thing I saw when I landed there, or when I got there on the train was kids stealing <laughs> from people right there in front of me. Like they don't yes. even care. They're just like, <laughs> they're stealing right in front of you. There's too many people looking at you. Like here in Vietnam, because I don't live in a, a foreigner area, the locals look at me because they don't because i'm a foreigner um and they don't it's not a foreigner area but i don't feel threatened i guess mm-hmm. like i feel like i know why they're looking at me they're looking at me they, but the little kids are like hello because they might know the word hello um it's a friendly stare and like oh look at the foreigner in naples they're staring at you i feel like they're eyeing me like <laughs> when can we attack him yeah. it's a different kind of look but everyone's looking at you mm. Not in a good way. Naples was, <laughs> I'm glad you told me that because <laughs> yeah, I thought so I whenever I talk about Naples, they go, what? No, it's beautiful. I was like, not mm-hmm. where I was. <laughs> <laughs> not what I saw. <laughs> not what I saw. I could not wait to get out of there. Yeah. I could not wait. I think we, we left earlier than expected. We were like, you know what? Let's get out of here. <laughs> There's no need. Yeah. Well, like I told you, I, did, I don't book hotels in advance because I'm like, oh, well, what if I change my mind? So I booked a hotel and went there and they go, mm, we don't have a reservation. We don't have a room for you. And by this point, it's dark. I was like, don't make me go outside. <laughs> don't make me go out. Don't make me go outside. And then, anyways, I, had, I booked a place walking distance. and It was only a block and a half. And I remember just sizing up the street and taking a deep breath and going, here we go. This is when it happens. This is, <laughs> this is, I've got to walk to that hotel. And I can't even see where it is. This is not good. This is not going to end well. <laughs> the only other place I felt like unsafe was I got lost in, when I was in Peru and Lima, I uh, took the bus from one side. I was, I guess I was in the touristy side. And then I took a bus um, going somewhere and coming back to the hotel, I took, I guess, the, the right bus, but the wrong way in the opposite okay. direction and ended up in like a favela, like a the hood. <laughs> and everybody was just looking at me and I was like trying to point to the map and, you know, tell, tell them where I am. But like everybody was so nice. They coordinated. And, you know, they couldn't figure out, but somebody on the bus figured it out where it is. And the uh, guy driving the, the bus actually had his wife, like, get off of the bus and go with me to try to find my hotel. 
<laughs> like she doesn't understand me. But right. She was just like trying to help me find it. But that was the only time where I felt like scared. Everybody's looking at me and but people were super nice, but Naples is a whole nother ball game. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it was. There's something on and again, I, I've lived in all parts of New York City. I think there is something transient about me because when I lived first moved to New York, I would live in different neighborhoods every three months so I could learn the neighborhoods. Um, so, and I would get home late from work, but I was never uncomfortable in any neighborhood walking around at whatever time in the morning getting home from work. So the, the safe thing, I don't know what it is about Naples that made me during the day to feel unsafe. I don't know what it was. I felt like there was some uneasiness about the way people looked at me and then talked to each other. Mm. You know, it's one thing to look, but then to talk to the person next to you. Or there was one place in Greece like that where you, there's gangs that run this park, which is near Athens. Got to be in Athens. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's a well-known park but there's gangs that run it and they i like i said i enjoy that i enjoy sitting there and watching and observing and you can see them signal to each other like that's the person we're going to pickpocket um and they would actually practice pickpocketing off each other you know i don't feel unsafe in areas so i don't know what it was about naples that made me feel yeah that's, that's time to move on <laughs> yeah process yeah. this is not a place to explore i'm good yeah. I'm good. Let's keep going. <laughs> well, before we get ready to close things out, um, is there is there any information that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, regarding we mentioned the cookbook, the cookbook actually, yeah. and is that available yet? It's not. You can um, you can let me know on my website. Send me your email, and I'll let you know when it's available. It probably won't be till the end of the year. Okay. So. No, but if anyone wants to stay in contact, you can find me on my website or Twitter. Okay. Tell me your stories. I love <laughs> chatting with people that travel. I love exchanging advice. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it's and been... when you go to Cappadocia, don't forget. Sorry. Let me know. I'll I'll try and give you think of some more oh, we'll words definitely... of wisdom for you. Definitely, we'll, we'll definitely reach out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been an amazing conversation. I've really learned a lot um, from you. Um, had a great time had a great time chatting with you guys today thank you and for the listeners you can find the podcast at uh, americangypsy.com and you can find consistent self-improvement merch at luamlee.com and for some of music you can find under classic k-l-a-c-c-i-k carpenter c-a-r-p-e-n-t-a and that's on all major platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Tidal, YouTube, um, etc. Thank you to our audience for listening, supporting, watching, all of the above, donating, um, consistent self-improvement to everyone. Thank you again, Paul. Really enjoyed the conversation and thank you for thank your you time guys. and consideration for being on the podcast and peace, peace. to everyone.